Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Oh, it's easy. You just pour kerosene over a ferret, light it on both ends, put it in. They're attracted to gas lines. What? Good. Yeah. A ferret? Yeah, or a tamed raccoon. It's a lot of trouble. Michael Preston. Another edition of the Kook Center Hour. Ferret, gasoline-covered ferret-free. That would be a very disturbing... Like, I... Watching a ferret run around covered in gasoline lit on one end, that's like watching, like, well, the potential, because I don't know where the ferret's going to go. It could burn my house down. Are ferrets smart? I mean, they're kind of like cute, but do they really do anything? Like, are they just like weird looking cats? I'm off track again. This is what we always do at the beginning of the show. <laughs> uh, head volleyball coach Jen Greeny, head soccer coach Todd Schulenberger, going to join us a little bit later on. We are going to do a really good segment, uh, Dunderhead of the Week. And then instead of Ask Michael anything at the end of the show, we have asked for the general feelings of the Twitterverse for advice for WSU freshmen uh, who are starting uh, school next week. They're on campus now for Week of Welcome, but uh, they're starting school next Monday. And I'm going to apologize, address the elephant in the room Yes, my voice is awful, it is hoarse, and that is because uh, it is a little hot over here in Seattle and my house is such that we need to have fans running all night to keep me cool, to keep me and my wife cool, that is, and it blows the dry air around and causes my throat to dry up really badly, and so I sound a little hoarse. The interviews we have with the two coaches, I sound even worse because they were done in the morning, so I apologize in advance for that. Uh, but hopefully this is like that episode of Friends where Phoebe gets like her cold voice. You remember the one I'm talking about, like where she sings super sexily? I'm not trying to do that here. This is a family show. I think it's a family show. Is it a family show? I don't really know if it's a family show. Uh, but we are now less than three weeks away from the start of Washington State football. I mean, season tickets came in the mail. I'm hugging mine right now. Like, you literally, you can't see me, but I'm hugging mine uh, right now. I just set it back down, actually. <laughs> but season eight, so it means football season is getting really, really close. And this is kind of the time where we start to see maybe some position battles. We figure out who's going to play at X. Is it going to be Tavares Martin? Is it going to be Isaiah Johnson? Is it going to be Desmond Patman? Probably all three are going to play outside. That's for darn sure. Uh, Gabe Marks, is he healthy or not? WSU's official site may have given it away a little bit earlier uh, as to whether he is healthy or not. And it kind of looks like maybe he is uh, perfectly good and healthy. And that's a very good thing for this football team and the offense they're expecting to put on the field uh, this season. But this is kind of where we start to see things shake out. We start to see really who's going to be the other safety uh, for Washington State, Suleiman Hamid no longer on the team and is the president of his fan club. I'm devastated, but you still have Jalen Thompson. You still have Charleston White back there. We're going to see if Marcellus Pippins and Treshawn Broughton, who settles that at cornerback. But either way, I think you're pretty set and good to go at corner. And this was brought up a while ago on Twitter. I can't remember by who. I think maybe our own Britton Ransford. How different does it feel in the secondary than a couple of years ago where the guy who started at strong safety was a running back they had converted two weeks before? 
How different does it feel without Tracy Clark at one corner position? A guy who had never played a down of college football and got burned one play into the season. How different does it feel? How nice is it to feel this way about this football team? Where you're confident in every single player's ability to get the job done. This is a very welcome change for me. I, 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 I was a student in the dog days of Paul Wolf. I mean, the, the, what I saw at a football field that was called a football team was downright horrifying. Beatdowns of 50-plus points from Cal, Oregon, USC. I mean, good Lord, everybody took Wazoo to the woodshed. How nice is it to see things be different now? How nice is it to see a football team where the talent competitions is not just, well, who's going to be less crappy? Kevin Lopina versus Marshall Lobestall. Prime example of it. Who's not going to be as bad? Because you never got the sense with those teams that they could really do anything other than maybe possibly compete. You get the sense with this football team that each and every week they expect to win. And they have the athletes and the size to do it. Look across that offensive line. Last year, they were one of the top five heaviest, I think, in college football. And they're stacking up to be in that again. It was top 10 or top five last year. And they're stacking up to be that again. I Just the mammoth size of the guys up front. And the athletic ability of the guys up front continuing to prove it. We don't like to look at total number of sacks on this show because it's not indicative of how good this offensive line is. When you consider how many times Washington State drops back to pass. Is Wazoo's total sacks given up going to be higher? Yeah. They, they, it just it, What happens when you drop back to pass 50 times a game? Your quarterback is going to get sacked more. That's just that's just what happens. It's just nature of the football game. Nature of the game of football. But it's that sack per game rate you want to see nice and low. Right around two sacks per game. I can live with two to three a game. And I think this football team can too. We can live with that. It, it, again, just natural order of throwing the ball so much. But finally, you think you look at this offensive line and you go, you know what, these guys are athletic, they're talented, and they're going to be really good up front. You're worried about the depth on the defensive line. I am. One injury. And <laughs> you're, bad, you're in bad shape, frankly. You're in really bad shape. One injury. And that's never a good position to be in in college football where you're an injury away from being in a really bad spot. Linebackers look good. Wide receivers look great. Running backs look great. Quarterback, yeah, you know, he looks fine. You're finally to a point with this football team where you feel so, so good about everybody going into camp. And where those competitions are a good thing. You want to see that. Because they finally have some depth. They finally have some depth up and down the chart. Up and down the depth chart. You're not terribly worried when the two has to come in and fill for the one. Save for maybe a couple of positions. Again, like the defensive line like we talked about. You're not too scared of it. 
you're not too worried about it. I mean, hell, you were worried about the ones a few years ago. I'm not worried about them now. Not even a little bit. Where they've come from and where they are going to be this year. What a stark contrast from years past. We saw that with the level of competition down in Lewiston. You're going to see that as they return to camp. I'm not sure exactly how much media coverage they're allowing as the team gets back into camp in Pullman. But I think we saw that with them in Lewiston. We continue to see that every fall as they come back to Pullman. And now they've got classes to worry about. And that is the one kind of unique thing WSU has to worry about early in the season that some teams in the Pac-12 don't. I know Oregon and Washington, God, those kids aren't in class until the end of September. But Wazoo starts class so early that they have class to worry about right away. And so we'll see these guys, you know, they'll get out of the dog days of practice, so to speak. They'll have something to mix up. They'll have homework. They'll have something to do other than football practice, which is kind of nice. You like routine, but you like, you know, mixing things up a little bit. You're going to see this team continue to improve in practice. And again, I think Eastern's a big test to open the season. Cooper Cup is a really good wide receiver. I would love to have him on Washington State. Hell, any team in this conference would love to have him. And Eastern's a pretty good football team for being an FCS team. Honest to God, more worried about them than Idaho. Much more worried about them than Idaho. I would rather lose to Eastern than I know. We'll put it that way. But I don't want that to happen. And I think you'll see this team finally come out firing. Finally confident in what their offense can do. Finally confident, fully confident in what this defense can do. And that'll be a real nice sight to behold for the first time in a long time. This team can come out and fire on all cylinders. And that'll be really nice. Before we get to the interviews, we'll address real quick. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins decommitted uh, from WSU earlier this week. And, you know, I, I I don't know what the situation is. I don't pretend to know. As, as Again, as our own Britton Ransford always says, don't try to get inside the head of a 17-year-old. You know, it just it's impossible. I, 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 can barely, I can barely make a decision what I wanted for lunch back then. And does it suck? Yeah, I mean, sure. It stinks. You always want those really good athletes to end up at WSU. But again, you know, it, it. and is there a chance he could recommit? Yeah, sure. It doesn't happen too terribly often, but it could happen. It, it It's just, you know, it, it, it stinks to lose it, but it, it is a verbal commit. Nothing's binding about it. And I, I'm not going to sit and, you know, it sucks a lot. But I can't admonish a kid for trying to make the best decision for him personally and maybe for his family. If he thinks going to another school will help him in his professional career more, then who am I to tell him not to go? It's his decision. And it, it stinks for WSU, but hopefully they can do enough over the next, you know, six months or so here, five months or so, to get him to want to come back to Pullman. And it's it's the life of recruiting, and I'm sure the coaches have a plan for it, and I'm sure the coaches have some fallback players. They can recruit, but it just happens. Sometimes you don't want to lose players right before the season starts. I mean, that stinks, but better now 
than for it to really kick in in silly season come early February, late January. Better now than then to have to go after somebody else. Coach Jen Greeny, the volleyball team, coming up next. Then Todd Schulenberger, the head coach of the WSU soccer team. And again, we apologize for how hoarse I'm going to sound in these next two interviews. It's pretty bad. Sorry in advance. Uh, but maybe, again, maybe I'm just Phoebe from Friends. I think that I'm, I'm just going to consider that. That's, that's what it is. Jen Greeny coming up next on the Coop Center. Back here on the Coog Center Hour as I continue to fight off. I don't know. I'm losing my voice. We won't hopefully do it before the end of this show. But the head coach of the WSU volleyball team, Jen Greeny, I can tell you one thing I know about her today that I didn't know yesterday. She knows the fire evacuation route out of Bowler Gym, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And coming from the fourth floor... Uh, to evacuate, you know, sometimes Bullet Gym can get confusing, but I got it down now. No but you problem. got you got a workout in, right? Because you had to go down all those stairs and all that good jazz. So that's your gym for the day. That's what I would do anyway. I know. It seems like like football came back to to Pullman, and all of a sudden the fire alarms are going off. I don't know what the deal is. I completely. I don't know who. I'm blaming Gabe Marks for that. I don't. I don't know why, but I just. I. I think it's. I think it's his fault. I mean, he probably just did it to to make to make you guys all run stairs too. Um, prep, yeah. prepvolleyball.com I want to start out with this ranked you guys 33rd coming into 2016 do you guys pay attention a lot to that because I know some coaches will say you know we don't really pay attention to the rankings we don't look at that is that something you guys look at or is it just kind of more motivation for you guys to continue to get better to continue to improve yeah you know I think it's um, you know a nice accolade um, to be recognized just for our improvement as a program as a whole. But, you know, it's definitely not something we're going to, you know, talk about too much. But um, it, is, it is just nice just to have that recognition for our players really working hard to get better mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, just build off of that and go from there. 16-16 and 16 last year, uh, four five-set losses in Pac-12 play. And we'll get a little bit more into that later on, how difficult – it is to play in this conference, but what what was that a good was that team kind of on the cusp of being successful with those really close five set wins, or is that probably pretty reflective of where you guys think you were last year? You do get a lot of seniors back this year, which again we'll talk about in a second. But do you think that team was kind of on the cusp of being really really good last year? Yeah, I do. You know, we had um, you know our junior class last year, so those those players that are now seniors you know they were pretty experienced but we had eight freshmen and so that's kind of what made it um I guess put us more kind of on on the cusp of you know we weren't real sure what we were going to get out of those freshmen all the time Mm -hmm. um you know but we were right there and just you know trying to get over that 
that hump, like you said, in the best conference in the country. Um, you know, would have definitely liked to get some more, some more of those five set matches, but um, when you can take all those ranked teams to five, I, I think that's a good thing um, really looking into this year. You talked about it a little bit there, Coach, is that you had a lot of freshmen on the team last year, which consequently means you have a lot of sophomores, but you have uh, something like a dozen players returning, six of your starters coming back. I mean, I, I, I can say how helpful that is, and I, I would assume it's very helpful, but just how helpful is it to basically, you know, I have everybody back that made us more successful last year. How helpful is that? Um, you know, it's fantastic, especially, I mean, we've been now practicing for, um, you know, almost a week, and I think probably the biggest change from last year to this year is this first week of practice. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we really only have two freshmen. We, we had two others join us, transfers, uh, but it was last, you know, winter that they came. So um, just being able to move into practice and get those drills going with the expectations already in place has been so helpful already. Um, just the pace that our practice has been going and, you know, what we've been able to do to really move into more game speed um, has been fantastic. Kyra Holt is one of those returning starters, and she was so many accolades last year. She was all Pac-12. I think we all know just how good she is, but the leadership she provides as a senior, it has to be important, again, because you do have a young, relatively young team. You have, like you said, those so many freshmen and sophomores still on this team. How important is it having a player like Kyra Holt, especially as an outside hitter, uh, back on this team, especially in a year when you're, you guys are really trying to kind of, you know, fly off, you know, spread your wings and fly off the cliff, so to speak. Yeah, um, it, it's great. You know, she had a, a good year last year and, um, you know, one of those great honors to be on that first team All-Pac-12 and, and just knowing that, um, you know, she can really play with anybody. But now going into that senior year, really providing – and, you know, that leadership and um, I guess all the seniors, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been here for four years. A lot of them have had a good amount of playing time um, just knowing, you know, this is their last go round and um, really working. They worked really hard this summer um, to get in great shape and played a lot. So it, it has really showed this first week of practice for sure. You've also got uh, McKenna Woodford. Also, she's an All Pac-12 freshman outside hitter. I mean, I mean that's that's two really valuable weapons uh, at the net to get some kills in, and I think a lot of experience that maybe you haven't had in previous years. How important is having those two weapons up there? Because maybe Kyra's having an off day, but McKenna can pick her up, or vice versa. I mean, that the versatility there is just something that you guys have to be really pleased with. Yeah, I think anytime you can return uh, both of your outside hitters um, that that had a huge impact last year, I think that's really important. Um, you know, they're going to be getting probably a majority of the sets. Just that's the the nature of the beast in our sport. Um, and you know, they've both improved a lot just in one year. Uh, especially McKenna, you know, get, getting a lot of experience mm-hmm. her freshman year and now going into her sophomore. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest things is having those two really um, important outside hitters back and, um, you know, at, at full speed right now is, is great for us. I, I've talked about this with you before. We talked about this a little bit last year. For folks who aren't as familiar with the game of volleyball, the setter is, is, is sort of like the quarterback 
of the team, and you have Haley McDonald back again. You know, with all these starters coming back, getting basically what is kind of considered the quarterback of your offense back in the starting lineup with both those outside hitters. I mean, the the salivating of what you can do offensively just has to be. It, a lot of it. Let's put it that way. You get, you guys got to be. I mean, it, it's just an incredible amount of potential there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we really have every single hitter back in our gym, um, and have um, you know added one with Julia Cubbage, and so that's uh, just really fun to see just their competition going back and forth, mm-hmm. um, and having the experience of Haley McDonald, you know, back for a fourth year. Um, with the addition of a couple of other setters now, you know, working in practices just have been mm-hmm. um, definitely the best we have ever had. And, you know, so we can just work from there. You know, it does, um, losing Kate Summer, our all-time digs leader, yep. um, and a lot of energy on the court um, is something. But these um, defensive specialists that have come in um, have just done a great job so far. Let's get now. We we talked a little bit about how hard the Pac-12 is, uh, you know, scheduling wise, and just what you have to kind of go through for two months of Pac-12 plays. It's just it's just a grind. What's your guys' philosophy kind of when it comes to non-conference scheduling? Because you do have good teams uh, on the schedule. I mean, you open with Kentucky. That's a good uh, volleyball team. What's your guys' philosophy kind of with non-conference? Do you want to mix in some good teams to get your student athletes ready for? Pac-12 play, or is it kind of nice to take it easy for a little while before you jump in kind of headfirst into the pool of Pac-12 play? Yeah, you know, it definitely uh, differs every single year. We knew last year had an eight freshman, uh, you know, not really knowing what to expect with them. We wanted to kind of break them in, uh, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. slower, I guess. This year we knew we were having everybody back, and so we're jumping right into it. Like you said, um, Kentucky's ranked 22nd right now, and then we play Purdue that same night, actually, at Purdue, Mm -hmm. their home opener, and they're ranked number 20. So, you know, we're just jumping into it full speed. We'll have a good mix of, you know, really tough competition mixed with, um, you know, some competition that we think we can get some some work in, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, you definitely don't want to overlook anybody, but, um, you know, we're, we're mixing in that top 20 five ranking teams with the other non-conference schedule. Um, so I think it'll be a good mix this year, but we're definitely, um, you know, starting off pretty tough. You talked a little bit about playing Purdue to open their home opener uh, in West Lafayette. Uh, I, I think really it's the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that are the two uh, best volleyball conferences in the nation. And, I, you know, I say this every single year, but the difficulty – in going through the Pac-12 in volleyball might be second to none in any sport that's played in this conference. I, I mean, when you guys get into that conference schedule, there is not a single week you can take. You can't look at that schedule and go, here's a week we might be able to take it easy. All up and down that conference, it is just really hard week in, week out to get a couple of wins, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um yeah, you know, the Big Ten has, uh, you know, probably just as many ranked teams, but I feel like they maybe have a couple of teams where, you know, you could consider it a little bit more of an off night. And so our conference, uh, the Pac-12, from top to bottom, it, I feel is stronger. Um, yeah. You know, there absolutely is never an off night, especially, um, you know, on the road. I, I really like to think of these teams, especially this year, coming to Pullman 
um, you know, they're going to be in for it because we have so many home matches this year where we're playing on a football weekend. Mm-hmm. And so that's really exciting for us to just look ahead and, and know we're going to give people a lot of problems this year. It's kind of unique to uh, you guys get, I think, the distinction. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Bowler Gym is the only volleyball exclusive facility in the Pac-12. So you can kind of work a little home atmosphere in there when things are going well. And so it, it creates a, a a bit more of a home field advantage, so to speak, maybe than other teams who play in basketball arenas. They're a little roomier and a little more built for a for a sport played on a larger court, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. We are um, the only school that plays not in our basketball arena, um, which is good for us. I think I I really enjoy the home court advantage and just having our own facility. Um, you know, it, it does make it a little bit tougher for us when we go on the road and we're maybe not used to it being so cavernous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as we go along... I think we definitely get used to that, but uh, you're right. It does provide a home court advantage for us, especially when we get the students and the fans in there. Um, you know, those other schools are definitely not used to that. Some folks may not know, Coach, that uh, WSU has, this. I think, the distinction of having two coaching staffs where a husband and a wife are on the coaching staff. And not only are they on the coaching staff, the wife is the head coach. That's not a dynamic we see in a lot of places. What is it like coaching with your husband? Uh, you know, I, I know we've talked about before, you guys try not to bring any fights you have at the office home, but what's it, what's it like kind of coaching uh, with your husband on a day-to-day basis? Because I know my wife likes to be working a different place to get away from me for a few hours. <laughs> well, sometimes we do that too. Uh, it's called, uh, Burnett usually just goes recruiting when you start ah, ah, um, I see. Okay. <laughs> or I, I see. say, you need to go recruiting. Uh-huh. Um, but actually, yeah, it works out really well. Um, you know, we try and create a family atmosphere. I think every sport really does try and create a mm-hmm. family atmosphere. I'm here at Washington State. Just that's the, the way the community is. That's the way our athletic department is. And so it really is, you know, a pretty natural fit. You know, we have two young daughters, 12 and 6, that are around all the time. Um, you know, and it's not like we – we'd probably definitely talk about um, – you know, volleyball way more at home than anybody else, but that's okay. <laughs> that's that's all part of it. You got to you got to share interests, right? You got to you got to you got to share interests with your spouse. That's the important thing. We will leave uh, exactly. Yeah, we'll leave Coach Jen Greeny with uh, one. I mean, we'll take it easy here at the end of this because I've asked so many hard hitting questions. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Jen, you played you played at WSU. You've now coached at WSU uh, for many years, uh, and I believe you were at Lewis Clark State before that. Correct. That's right. Okay, so you are familiar with the Palouse area. Have you ever, and you can be honest, no, 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 no judgment here. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket in Colfax? Because I haven't, barely escaped it. But have you ever gotten a speeding ticket there? I haven't. I have not gotten a speeding ticket um, anywhere except for, like, once you get get to Spokane and it turns into the four lane, that's where I got my speeding ticket. But but never in Colfax. Uh, okay, so you're better behaved than I... I got I got pulled over doing 38 <laughs> and a 25, but I think it's because I sounded like I do right now uh, that gotcha, they let gotcha. me out of the ticket. But So, Coach Jen Greeny, not only a good volleyball coach, uh, she knows where the cops sit in Colfax. <laughs> so, thank you very much. Yes. Best of luck this season, Coach. 
Okay, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Back here on the Kook Center Hours, my voice continues to disappear and I sound more and more like a frog by the minutes. We're now joined by WSU Soccer Head Coach Todd Schulenberger uh, and Coach, things not so swampy or froggy for your soccer team last year. You guys had a pretty great season, tied uh, the WSU record for wins in a season 14. Um, just kind of reflecting back on that year, what from that year, what kind of lessons from there can you take uh, into 2016. Well, I think the first thing is, I mean, I, when I told the group after the season was done, I clearly think that we overachieved in the season, and then I think we underachieved in the postseason. And what I mean by that, I'm not just saying by what we were picked. I mean, some people have had us 11th or 9th in the Pac-12. They're all preseason rankings, and we ended up finishing third. So I think what we gained from it is that we, we are a contender in this conference. You know, you have the the power four schools, I'll call them in the state of California, and then the rest of us. And you got to get in that in that power four, and we did last year. And I think mm-hmm. we've got to continue to do that and, and get better. And um, we have a returning group of about seven or eight starters, um, some key ones, and we lost some key ones, but every program goes through that. So I think we did well in the season, you know, all the wins and how we did. I, I was a little disappointed on our, our, our stretch at home. We had a couple games at home I thought we gave away, and in your own building, your own field, whatever you want to call it, I would like to secure that a little bit better. And then even in the, the uh, NCAA tournament game, for whatever reason, this team over the years has, uh, not just this team, but the nature of this group is first or second round entrance. Exit, excuse me, and yeah. we, we don't want that. We want to go further. If you can survive a third place in the Pac-12, I want to survive and go deeper in the NCAA tournament. So that's where I would thought we underachieved in the postseason by last year. And believe me, we are not forgetting that. I was going to ask you about that a little later, but since you brought it up, we'll, we'll ask now because it, it seems to be this this bugaboo for this team is just kind of the ability to get past the first round. And in fact, I think the last three postseason appearances has included overtime or gone to penalty kicks. Is there just like something in particular about it that you think is is leading to this issue? Or is it just that it just happens to happen this way and that this team just can't find that way to win in the first round of the postseason? Well, you know, soccer, as we know, is a brutal game sometimes. The way that games end, and penalty kicks and shootouts and overtimes. And mm-hmm. So I think that's the first sign. That's not an excuse. That's the reality. Now, the re- also the reality here is, is that we didn't do a job of finishing uh, what I've been here last year. It was my first year. So we had no much last year to win that game. I don't think there's anything to do with pressure. I mean, I hope not. Um, again, I'm new, so I didn't hear anything in the locker rooms or people worrying about, here we go again. And, you know, it, it's just something that I think has happened. Now, if it happens a fourth time, which you hope not, then you gotta you got to really figure out, all right, what are we doing wrong here right. uh, in preparation? Is it overtraining? Are we tired? Are we undertraining? Or what is it? You know, I don't think it's over-under. I mean, you don't go into Utah and beat them for another year that we do, like we did at their place mm-hmm. in front of 2,000 fans. 
and then win three games in a row to, to finish out the season, the two Oregon teams in Utah. So I think it, it could be a little bit between the years. I'm just going to sit back and assume that my first year, hey, we lost, and now we got to get better from it. I'm not going to make it this year because I haven't been here enough to, to make it this year out of it. Right. You guys held opponents to under a goal a game last year, which is incredibly impressive number. I think defense, kind of your strength. Are we expecting the same thing out of your guys' back line and your goalkeeping this year? Because you you have an excellent goalkeeper in Ella Dieterich who is, is getting a lot of accolades before the season starts, and she's only a sophomore. That has to feel good that you have someone like that between the posts for you for at least another three years, and then your defense uh, played that well last season. For sure, I sure hope you are correct. I mean, in, in, in soccer games, goalkeepers and goal scorers win you games, and Ella completely did that last year, and that is also with the support of her back line that she had in front of her. We return all those players. Uh, we return Ella. As you said, Ella, this is only her second year with two more to go after this, so I'm super excited for that. I think the excitement of this team this year is going to be around our ability to keep the ball and defend. I, I still have my questions on who's going to step up and score this year for us. I think that's the area where, you know, you lose Colby Guline, Bo Brummer, and Kara Wagner. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse. The alley, they just graduated. That's three of the top four goal scorers. Yep. Uh, but everybody goes through that. So I, I like to think we're going to be good and solid and veteran-like in the back and with Ella leading. Now we got to find out who's going to score these goals. You mentioned that because Caitlin Johnson does come back. She was one of your best goal scorers from last year. I believe your best goal scorer from last year. But with that defense, do you you do need to worry about, obviously, goal scoring. But does bringing back someone like Caitlin Johnson kind of boost your confidence a little bit? Or, do, like you said, do you still need to kind of go hunting around to figure out where we're going to find these things and not just assume that your defense is going to be there to not bail you out, but to kind of keep things a little closer? Yeah, Kato is, is, is our uh, – she's our playmaker in front of that. She's our goal scorer. She, she, she's got a, a knack for scoring. She's got an attitude as, as, a, as a striker. So I think Kato is certainly going to help us, and we're going to lead us this year. I think what also helped Kato last year in Ferris is we had some vertical presence with Courtney Gulak. I mean, you're either going to play behind the back line and there's got the corner or you're going to play in front and let Kato do her thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a good balance. So I've got to find that balance with Kato this year. I've got some ideas. They're young players. Again, you can't ride these young players too much. But I, I will say we have some younger kids that are faster than Courtney. But, again, Courtney was a fifth-year kid and did a lot. So uh, I think Kato's success will also ride in her partner that she plays with up top from time to time. You guys are getting some votes in the preseason poll, and I think this is kind of a very familiar thing for WSU soccer that there are preseason poll votes, and you guys kind of earn your way into the top 25 throughout the season. How much attention – do you pay to that? I know most coaches will say we don't pay any attention to it. We try not to try not to listen to the noise from people who aren't involved. But do you guys pay any attention to what goes on in those preseason polls? When it's about us, I don't. When it's about an opponent, I do. <laughs> you, got opponent, you got an opponent coming in here this weekend. They clearly yep. have earned their stripes. And, uh, you know, some people got them as an Elite Eight Final Four team this year already talking about it. I mean, they were the Sweet 16 <laughs> last year, lost to a Stanford team. It took us over time, and we know Stanford right now is the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. So, uh, again, I don't look at it for us. I look at it for them, and they return a lot. So my focus is, yeah, okay, look at the rankings. They don't mean a lot, 
But I do know this BYU team is for real, so that's where I'll be looking at with the rankings this week. Yeah, I was about to say, speaking of, you do, you're doing a great job of leading me into my next questions. I really appreciate that because <laughs> BYU uh, in town on Friday to open your guys' season, the other Cougars from this area. Um, what's your guys' philosophy with preseason scheduling? Because we, and I know we talked about earlier how hard the Pac-12 is to play in. So what do you guys like to do in the preseason? Do you like to kind of simulate how difficult that is? Or do you prefer kind of some easier teams to kind of get the the girls on the team into into the groove a little bit? But you're obviously playing somebody pretty good right up front. Well, first of all, I'll say that uh, there's two sides to that. One, I mean, uh, I inherited the schedule, so I'm not going to say that I like it That's or dislike it. I will, I will, yeah, I don't get my schedule the next year as well as everything else that comes when you, you know, as a head coach here. So for me, looking at this, we're, we're in a sense we're seasoned enough for a game like this. I wouldn't have put it this top on the top of the list, my personal opinion. And that's a lot of respect to BYU and even Santa Clara and the whole schedule, to say the least. I mean, there's no easy game, but BYU and Santa Clara, just because of the first two games, are arguably could be a top four team in the Pac-12 this year. That's how good they are. Yeah. So uh, I think you're going to find is uh, we're going to play with these teams, no doubt in my mind. Would I like to have them a little bit later in the preseason? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll put Please me correctly with that. That I, I'm not going to run from them. I don't know if I have a schedule on my other game. <laughs> I like that. that. That's good. I like the honesty. That's that's. I I wouldn't want to play somebody that good early on either. But then again, I'm not very good at the sports I do play. Um, we talked about how hard the Pac-12 is, and I talked about this with uh, Coach Jen Greeny, the volleyball team earlier. Is that it? Just seems like. You know, a lot of people forget how good the Pac-12 is in a lot of other sports, and soccer's no exception. You talked about all the schools in California, how good they are. Stanford, UCLA always seem to be near the top. Cal and USC are never far behind. I, it, it, it almost it baffles me, even as a Wazoo alum, that somehow this little team in the middle of the Palouse can usually compete with the big boys in the Pac-12. How hard is it once you guys get into that slog of a Pac-12 schedule because, I mean, every, every week you can't take a week off. There's Every every week you're facing somebody who is a real quality opponent. Well, that's, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's my trump card in this locker room. I mean, we are a hardworking blue-collar, but a, a fun soccer team to watch. And uh, people tend to forget about Washington State. I mean, you're right. And then how does a team like this continue to go back and forth to the NCAA tournament every year? I think a lot is recruiting, it's culture. It's development, and it's been the, the coaches that have been around here in the past. So, um, I, I, when are, if we have another decent year, when are we ever going to be the team not to sneak up on somebody? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I like to play the card. We always like to be the coach sneaking up on somebody. So, I'm still going to play that card. I'm going to use it this week and on Friday because they're the favorite. So, I think that's something that we thrive on and this group is good with. But when that thing turns, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, last year there were six teams in this conference made the NCAA tournament. The year before I got here, there was nine. You're going to find out every year from six to nine teams, which is incredible. That's going to make the NCAA tournament. So every day you got to battle. Every day in practice you got to win, and that's how we try and try to translate to the game. And we don't back no down from anybody. And that's the good thing about these young ladies. We could be playing Stanford, or we could be playing UW, or we could play Oregon, or whoever, even uh, whoever in the state. And we're going to step up every game and give it like it's our best. I know you have it. You've been here now. This is your second year coaching uh, the team, and you didn't have a huge previous connection to WSU. But is there a source of pride for you that you were able to keep up the non-losing streak against UW last year? Because I think it's been something like 13 years that WSU has not lost to UW. It's either been ties or wins in that time. Is that something that? 
you guys are kind of proud of that you want to be able to keep up that tradition a little bit for WSU women's soccer? Absolutely, you want to keep it up, and I absolutely don't want to be the one on the other side of it. So you have another <laughs> question. So uh, I, I'll tell you a funny story. Last year, right before the game, I had one of the previous coaches, that I won't leave, there's been a lot here, that uh, they keep the streak alive. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And uh, I find out later what it meant. I really didn't know the streak was going that long. So yeah. I don't want to know it. I don't care to know it. I love that uh, any time the kids are beating the Huskies, we're going to show up to play. Um, I think it's getting to a point now it's more for them to worry about than us, quite honestly, because I think it's definitely something between the ears of those guys, and we're going to continue to use our advantage. I'll leave you with an easy one here, Coach. Uh, again, your second year here in Pullman. Uh, you've had plenty of time to absorb the the cultural eccentricities of this tiny little town uh, 90 miles south of Spokane. And, and, and this question can cause a little controversy, I won't lie. Do you have a do you have a favorite Ferdinand's ice cream flavor? Oh yeah, Cougar Tracks. Uh, uh, there we go. Nobody ever says Blackberry Ripple. Nobody ever says that, man. I think I'm like the only person. Who, I think I'm like the only person who's that's that's their favorite flavor. But yeah, but, Cougar Tracks is made for sure. Oh. We take our camp there. We treat our camp there in the summer, and uh, we take the kids up there, and they have a good time. But uh, that is my that is my ice cream right there, Cougar Tracks for sure. Oh man. I, I, I couldn't resist going over there every Friday. It was my treat to myself. It's also why I put on 20 pounds my freshman year. Head coach Todd Schulberger for the WSU women's soccer team. Thank you, sir, very much for the time, and best of luck this year. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dick. Take care. Dunderhead of the week time, and my voice is getting a little better. See, getting a, getting a little bit better. Kind of comes and goes in waves. Our thanks to Jen Greeny, Todd Schulenberger for joining the show. Uh, always like talking to them before the season starts. But now it's time for our Dunderhead of the week. And uh, casual listeners of the show may know I'm a, I'm a soccer fan. I don't like religiously follow a team, and that includes the Sounders here in my home city. But, you know, I, li- I like soccer, and I like international soccer. And I was watching the uh, U.S. women play Sweden the other day, and uh, Sweden won the game in penalty kicks. And someone who I haven't really liked for a long time, uh, the goalkeeper for the United States, Hope Solo. Sweden played a pretty conservative game, played a lot of good defense, kind of let the U.S. come to them, and then they would counterattack when they could. So after the game, this is what Hope Solo said. It's posted by Grant Wall, who's a reporter for Sports Illustrated. Quote, I thought that we played a courageous game. I thought we had many opportunities on goal. I think we showed heart. We came back from a goal down. I'm very proud of this team, but I also think we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. I strongly believe that. I think you saw American heart. You saw us give everything we had. Okay. 
Grant Wall follows up with, why are Sweden cowards? Sweden dropped off. They didn't want to open play. They didn't want to pass the ball. They didn't want to play great soccer. It was a combative game, a physical game, exactly what they wanted and exactly what their game plan was. They dropped into a 50. They didn't try and press. They didn't want to open the game. And when they tried to counter with long balls, or and they tried to counter with long balls, pretty much answered your own question right there, didn't you hope? That was what Sweden wanted to do the whole game, and you played right into their friggin' hand. I'm not really sure how that makes them a coward. I'm not sure how being, playing the way that you think you can to beat your opponent is cowardly. But y'all played right into it, didn't you? You guys played right into their hand, did exactly what they wanted you to do. And you're going to call them a coward for that. For not playing the kind of soccer you wanted them to play. Hope Solo had a pretty awful Olympic tournament too. Like a really bad Olympic tournament. And I'm, I'm really, really hoping this is the last we ever see of her on the women's national team. Because I hate rooting for a soccer team that includes someone who has such a crappy attitude. And is... Yeah, she's just not a very good person. I just... Dunderhead of the week, Hope Solo, but then again, you're kind of always a Dunderhead, aren't you? New version of Ask Michael Anything coming up next. We need a little freshman advice here. Oh, it is week of welcome. On the campus of Washington State University, I remembered. I remembered today that I moved into Coleman 404, Coleman Hall, room 404, ten years ago. Good God, I am much older than I was. I'm not like really team old, but I am ready to never go to Mike's again. I'll tell you that much. Instead of ask Michael anything, uh, I wanted to do freshman advice. Advice for you freshmen uh, that are on campus for the first time ever this week. I wanted to give you guys some advice, so I pulled the Twitter audience, because I don't really have any useful advice, because I'm an idiot. At, uh, I can't even read the app, but this is Gabrielle Terry on Twitter. Don't always eat at the dining hall close to your dorm room. Venture out. That's a good idea. I was always really close to Northside, and that's basically only where I ate unless I was on campus and ate at Hillside. Go to Southside. Go everywhere. Try to go everywhere you can that you can use your dining hall account. Find the different food. This is uh, one piece of advice that came from multiple people. Kevin Anderson on Twitter. Don't use the lanyard. Clearly signifies that you are a freshman. The other thing I would say, here's, here's my one piece of advice. Don't hold a campus map out in front of you, like down in the hall. Because I remember my junior and senior year, like, practically running over freshmen that were, like, in the hall, walking slow, with their schedule in their hands, and the campus map. You want to carry your class schedule, carry your class schedule. But for God's sake, go find where those classes are, like, before you start taking them. Because if we fall down, ligaments are going to be torn. I'm going to end up laid up in the hospital for a few days. No, Nobody wants that. Another one. We got multiple, multiple pieces of this. 
uh, from Ambram and from my good friend Taylor Van Sice over at uh, Como News Radio. There's one name drop for you. You will slip on the ice in Pullman this winter. You're gonna fall down. People are going to laugh. Embrace it. I fell once. Everybody falls once. Everybody. Every single friggin' person falls. Just how it goes. N8 make cause on Twitter. When you order a calzone at Sellers, there's no shame in asking them to go light on the cheese. There's no shame for me either. Just don't go to Sellers. I don't really like Sellers. And he is right. If you're going to go and you get a calzone, get less cheese in it. Because the cheese has never melted all the way through if you just get the standard amount of cheese. It never is. At Pazzy J, Paz Raps the Rapper. Paz Rapa the Rapper? I can't read. As a former RA, if you need to hastily hide bottles of water, pick them up individually. Nothing is more of a giveaway than clinking glass. So there you go. One at a time, kids. One at a time when you're picking up your, your water bottles. Your water bottles. Yeah. Water bottles. <laughs> uh, one more from at Wazoo Crew 11. Don't step in public areas with an open container. Finish it on private property and then walk to the next party. I can't underemphasize that enough. Also, walk around with a closed backpack. Closed backpack. Close that backpack up, kids. Next week, more kooks in an hour. More football to talk about. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's always a treat to be here. And good luck this week, freshmen. It's not as scary as you think it is, trust me. <laughs>